what's up, 11:30? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? We found the awake service. We're excited for today as we conclude. They had time to sleep in. They had time to sleep in. Cover from St. Patrick's Day parades yesterday and everything. And today's hey, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, well, I know today's the day that is actually, it's actually, today is not St. Patrick's Day, in, in case you didn't know. Today is Alexander the Great Day. And uh, our, our son turns one today, so we renamed this day. Alex, oh uh, yeah, oh, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, we renamed it Alexander the Great Day, St. Patrick, he did good, but Alexander's going to do way better, and so he's going to, he's going to, not going to bring a revolution just to Ireland, he's going to bring a revolution to the world. Five star, five star life starts Yeah, next week. sorry, I'm getting excited about my son, anyways, <laughs> uh, five star life starts next week, there's some invite cards on your chair, man, invite your friends, invite your family, we're going to have a good time, talking about how do we take it to the next level, but today, we get to have fun because we're actually answering all the questions that you've been sending in uh, throughout the last couple weeks in our series, Love, Sex, and Rock and Roll. And we're excited to talk about those. We're also going to give you some things that we've just found to be critical to our relationship. We've been married for uh, 19 years this May. It's been the greatest, and, greatest 16 years of my life. Yeah, 16. That's how, that's how long it's been good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and, and but we we just found being some, real. yeah just being real there are three yards three three, three years yards. there three <laughs> yards it felt like I was three yards under the ground um, in case you don't know that's nine feet uh, it, it, but it's it, there was some troubling years there in the beginning of our marriage and there's some things that we've learned and some yeah. things we put into practice that I think will be very 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 helpful for your relationship and we've had a blast answering questions and listen you can still. Uh, text in your questions. We, we, maybe we'll have time to get to them. We've been answering different questions in every service, so every service has been a little bit different based on whatever questions have come up. And, uh, and if we don't get to your question, listen, we'll go on uh, Instagram Live or Facebook, and we'll, we'll shoot a video, and we'll answer those questions because we want to help you in your relationships. Yeah. Uh, and so, But we also want to give you some keys that have helped us in our relationship. And here's what I know. Is, is marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. Mm -hmm. It's work. Mm -hmm. and, you know uh, what's funny? I just, there was a couple that was in the last service, and they, they just came out. They had been married 55 years. Wow. wow. 55 years. And I said, what is the key? And he said, first of all, men are jerks. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's <laughs> Something we can all agree with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he said, work. Yeah. He said, you work hard. And so he really identified with the work because it's he's like it doesn't just happen yeah it doesn't happen by accident it, it, it happens intentionally yep. and so we we want you to know that there were good healthy relationships take a lot of work yes and uh and so we we want to help you give you some and keys honestly, to work on you know throughout throughout this series there's been so much great information and there's so many people that are like man i want to know how to have a good relationship but to be honest with you guys, sometimes there's very few people that walk out of here and actually put it into application in their life, and then you wonder why your relationship still isn't good. You know, like we need to step out of here and actually put application to the knowledge yep. that is being given to us and not just expect for no work to go in in the relationship to get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, all right, we'll go, we'll go into the five keys. <laughs> yeah, <here>. let's... <laughs> So the first key is this, get a vision for your marriage. You know, we have to end up somewhere on purpose. You don't get to where you want to be by just kind of coasting through life and just being like, well, we'll get there somehow. 
You have to have a vision of how you're going to get to that place. And you need to sit down and talk to your spouse. You need to talk about what do you want your relationship to look like, feel like? Yeah. What do you guys want to accomplish in your relationship? What do you want the things to look like five, ten years down the road? Because very few times are we talking about what do we want our marriage to look like? And I think, you know, there's this saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I think that happens a lot in our relationships because we don't have a vision for something. We just kind of accept whatever comes our way. And, you know, this goes for, for single people, too. You know, maybe you haven't found that relationship that you so, excuse me, desire in your life. Get a vision for what you want that relationship to look like. Yeah. Start making a list of what you want in a spouse. Because if you don't start making a list and if you don't know what, you're want, what, what you want, you're just going to settle for anything that comes into your life. And you don't just want to settle because this is your future. Yeah. This is what you're going to live your life, who you're going to live life with for the rest of your life. They're going to be your greatest source of encouragement or discouragement. Yeah, they are. And so you want to get a vision and get a plan for what you want in a relationship because you don't just want to settle for anybody. I hear so many people say, man, Sheila, I just want to be married, particularly girls. I just want to be married. I just want to have a family. And if your goal is just to be married, but you don't have a vision for what that looks like, then you're just going to end up married. We need to have a vision and a plan for what we want in our relationship. Sit down and talk about it. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. Yeah. And we see this happening all the times in relationships. They are crumbling around us because there is no vision. There is nothing that they are working towards together as a collective goal and collective mission. Did you have something you want to add or you're saying move on to the next No, I, I, well, because I, this is kind of last. Y'all get the benefit of this is the last service, so we can go a little bit longer if that's okay with y'all. Uh, is that okay with you guys? Don't, don't ask them. Okay. What if they say no? Well, then, then, we'll, just, then we'll just close our Bibles and, and pray. Uh, like, why don't, why don't you talk to them about oh, this? Oh, yeah. So. so this is, I brought this today because this is a journal that I had 20 years ago. And this was before TJ and I were, were married. And I was actually pulled this out the other day because I was like, man, I wonder, I wonder what some of the things that, you know, I was writing down in that time. And I actually turned to a page and it was June of, of 1999 or maybe not June of 19. It was sometime. Yeah, it was June of 1999. I got to find it. I wrote out a mission statement for my life 20 years ago. And I said, God, this is the vision. This is what I believe that you want me to accomplish. And, and in here, TJ and I sitting right here doing this pastoring, but also talking to you guys about healthy marriages, I actually wrote down word for word to speak with both men and women about the power of a godly relationship versus one of the world. Because I knew how important it was at that time for people to understand the greatest thing that you have in your life, the greatest catalyst of things in your life is going to be the people that you surround yourself with, particularly your marriage relationship. And we in here is my list of things that I wanted in a husband. And TJ meets, there was 21 things on that list. He met every single one. Luckily, there were not 22. So that's... <laughs> that's I I, it would have been like has hair. <laughs> yeah. You know, something. <laughs> I'm going to walk off stage right now. Listen, that, that. Studies show that bald men are more like sexy, intelligent. Yes. Sexy, know. intelligent, 
masculine, like all, every every good adjective you can come up with, bald men are. Get so. a vision. <laughs> get a vision for your marriage, for your relationship, for what you want in a spouse, and don't just don't just settle for status quo because that's what the majority of our world does right now. So have a plan for it. Number two, communicate regularly. Communicate regularly. That same couple married 55 years. Another couple came up and they said they, we've been married 35 years. Said, what's the key? Communication. Yeah. And, communication. And, and here's the, the thing with communication when we say communicate regularly. A lot of us take this for granted because we have conversation in passing, mm -hmm. but it's all surface level. Yeah. How was your day? It was good. I, 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 I went popcorn. to work. I ate, like, if it's a woman, she's going to give you the details. Uh, you know, the five-minute conversation, that's 20, that kind of thing. But it's all surface. Yeah. And what happens is, is because we're having surface-level dialogue, we think that we're communicating, but we're really not. Yeah. And so when I say communicate regularly, when we say communicate regularly, it means intentionality when it comes to communication. It means scheduling time that we're going to sit down and we're going to have some regular dialogue, not about surface-level things, but deeper level things. We're going to, some things that I would recommend is we do a marriage checkup once a month, once a quarter, just depending on the season of our life. And we ask each other two questions, not more than two questions. We, we keep it simple, but effective. And the first question is, is what am I doing well in the relationship? Like, what are you going like, hey, I'm excelling in because everybody needs some encouragement yeah, in the relationship. And I want to keep doing those yeah. things. I want to do things that are helping enhance our relationship. And then what is one thing that I need to work on? Not three, not five, not seven. We can all come up with a list of a lot of things. But what's one thing? Yeah. Because if we can start making progress in one area, it's going to enhance a lot of areas in a relationship. Don't get offended by that one thing. That's like that constructive criticism that, yeah. that, helps, us, that helps us grow. Yeah, and we need constructive cr criticism yeah. in relationships. And so many times we, we take that harshly because we haven't realized that, that one of the great things about marriage is that it's a very refining process. Mm -hmm. If you haven't noticed that, your, your spouse a lot of times is sandpaper to you. Why? Because you need some edges taken off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they're the ones, because they're close enough to you, they can do it in a loving, healthy way. Or you should do it. Or you should be able to do it in a, in a loving, Here, loving you know, healthy I've, way. I've realized sometimes we don't grow or change because of compliments, we grow through critiques. Yeah. You know, and, and we need to, to kind of have both of those things in our life. Not criticism, critique. Yeah. Big difference between criticism yes. and critique. Yes. And here's the thing. Because I know I'm having healthy, regular dialogue with Shayla, when Shayla goes, hey, I, I'm noticing something in your life, everybody's natural first thing is defensiveness mm -hmm. but what because i know she loves me she's not trying to criticize me she's trying to help me yeah she's trying to help me see a blind spot in my life that i'm probably not very full aware fully aware of or if i am that one just hurts a lot doesn't it and 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 when she's pointing it out it's like oh man i need i need to change that and there's a great verse in james 1:19 it says my dear brothers and sisters Take note of this. He says, like, hey, you need to pay attention to this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I think that this is important for men, especially this verse. And this was important for me to realize that when I would sit down and have these conversations with my wife, that when she was telling me about things that were going on in her life that she was struggling with, I was to be quick to listen, not quick to solve the problem. Yes. All the ladies said amen. Because as a guy, my natural reaction, here's my problem. Well, let me go fix that because I'm a fixer. That's what men do. We fix things or we try to. And and I had to learn that you it's important. learned impo- by error. I learned by error. Yep. Um, uh, that yep. it's, it's <laughs> listen, one day, and I, I learned this the hard way. Uh, Shayla was having one of those moments where she was sharing with me her day, and she was sitting at our kitchen countertop. Crying. Crying sharing with me what was going on. And I, this is very early on in our marriage. I don't encourage anybody to do this. Uh, but I looked at her and I said, babe, that's life. Get over it. And I was quick to speak and quick to become angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quick to never do that again. Like we, we learned yes. in this moment because we learned, we learned a key phrase when it comes to communication. Especially when somebody has done something. Yeah. Uh, that is hurting us, it's this. Whenever we're in that situation, we go, listen, I don't think this is what you intended, but when you said this or when you did this, this is how it made me feel. And feelings are real, but it also gives the other person an opportunity to go, well, that wasn't my intention at all. Right. You're giving them the benefit of the doubt ahead of time instead of going in and accusing first. Yeah. Saying, I, I know you didn't intend this, but when this happened, it made me feel this way. And it's given TJ the ability to go, man, Sheila, I am so sorry that that made you feel that way. That is totally not what I intended. And it opens the door to a conversation rather than like a combative situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've, we've tried to take on that. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt by saying, I don't think this is what you intended, but here's how I feel. Yeah, we, we have a, just in our family, we just, we have this idea that we're always going to believe the best about each yes. other, first and foremost, and then we'll let them prove differently. And uh, it, it's helpful. It's helpful when you believe the best because then you look at situations and you go, I know their heart, that wasn't their intention. Yeah. But I, I still need to explain to them how jerk, I, yeah. that I, st- I was still a jerk. <laughs> Let's answer some <laughs> questions. Uh, throw a question up there. If someone gets divorced before they were saved and then remarried after getting saved, does God honor the new marriage instead of, instead and sever the spiritual tie and covenant from the original one? Shayla, that's a great question for you to answer. So if you get divorced before you were saved. Okay. So here's the thing. When we get saved, the Bible talks about when we confess our sin and we ask God to forgive us, it says he throws those things as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. So I I believe that you're not necessarily accountable for the decisions that you made before you were saved. There are consequences to those decisions, absolutely. But I don't think that you're necessarily accountable for the decisions you make before you had the understanding of what was right and what was wrong according to you know, God's law. Now, and now will he honor the new marriage instead and sever the spiritual tie and the covenant from the original one? You know, those spiritual ties, those soul ties are so powerful in life. And it's why we have to protect ourselves from those things and make good decisions relationally. Because when we give ourselves away to somebody, 
there is a piece of ourselves that we are giving away. And that's a piece that we don't necessarily get back. Can I break that tie? Absolutely. But we have an enemy that loves to remind us of our past, yeah. of what we did. And while we can break those ties to that, the enemy likes to keep trying to keep us in our past. You know, I'll, I'll say this. TJ saved himself for marriage. He was the guy that, that was a virgin when he got married, and he saved himself because it was so important to him. Actually, it's because my parents scared, scared the him. fear of God in my life. Scare your They're kids. like, if you have sex, you'll get somebody pregnant. I was like, man, I'm, I, I can't do that. Like, I, like, I'm not ready to be a daddy. I'm not even ready to be an adult. So, <laughs> But TJ, TJ saved himself for marriage. I, I did not. I was not a virgin when I got married. And I can tell you, that there, there were soul ties, there were spiritual things that happened because I gave my, myself away outside of that, that the enemy likes to continue to bring up that tries to hinder this relationship. Now, I believe that those things are broken over my life. They have no control over my life, but I have to continually tell the enemy that those have no control over my life. So I do believe that they're broken. But you have to continually put them It's going to take you. some work to break those. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take some work. Let's do another question. When he says, it's not you, it's me, what does that truly mean? <laughs> it, it, it means, means it's, it's you. you. <laughs> um, but he's, <laughs> he's, he's scared. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you're, you're lucky that it's Drop you. Drop that sucker. Because you don't want him anyways because he's never going to be honest with you and tell you the truth. Right. So, right. so, 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 kick that joker right to the. Or I'm, I'm guessing it's a. It's already it's, done. It's a guy, but, but I, that could be a girl saying that to a guy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just assume it's a guy that's a wuss. Okay. Okay. Another question. What is the point of marriage? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what What's interesting is is a lot of people make it their goal to be to be married, um, and the Bible actually says. The Apostle Paul writes that it's better if you're not married. So, so if you have the ability to stay celibate and pure, mm -hmm. he actually encourages you not to be married, that you're actually more effective. He actually says this, that you're more effective for the cause of Christ than you are if you're married because you have to attend to somebody else's needs rather than the needs of Christ. And so, man, if you can stay single, I, like I celebrate the people that have chosen to go, you know what, I can be more effective in my life and do more for the cause of Christ and stay single. There's a lady in our church that's in her late 50s that has chosen this path of life. And like, man, she does some incredible, incredible things. I'm like, man, you are the most God-honoring person I've ever seen because you've chosen that life. And so uh, I, I would say that's one side of that. The second side of that, what is the point of marriage when you do get married? Man, there's community there. There's a connection. There's a connection that's there. There's procreation that's there. Um, you know, there, there, is, there is a, this is my, hopefully what happens is, is you get married to your best friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Shayla is my best friend. Um, Shayla knows more about me, good and bad, than anybody else out there in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get to share some things together. And so that's, that's what I would say um, is, is the point of marriage. Um, next question. If there's a next question, why would anyone want to get married and have a family? <laughs> That's kind of Probably the same. Probably same answer. Yeah, ditto. 
Ditto. Uh, next question. What was unexpected about marriage? Mm. Good question. That's a great question. Shayla, so, what was unexpected about marriage? I think, I think for me what was unexpected, you know, when you get married, you've both grown up a different way, right? You've both grown up in different families, different households. You'd watch the dynamics of your parents, and I think you assume going into your relationship that you're going to take on the same roles that you saw your parents take on. The problem is we come from two very different families. And in TJ's family, they had they were a little bit more well-to-do and they had some people that would take care of their house and their laundry and all of those things. Now, I come from a family of six kids. And our house was always chaos and, you know, all of these things and I saw my mom and dad taking on different roles and so we when we came into marriage, I just assumed that it was going to be like what I had always saw. And, and I just, just assumed, assumed totally different. I thought that, that Shayla was going to do my laundry, make the bed. Uh, like. I was like, have you ever met a broom? Yeah, Here. I was like, no, I haven't. We had a housekeeper, so I don't, I don't, I've, I've never seen a broom in my life, you know. Uh, and so, man, it, it was a rude awakening. And I would say that, like, for, for if you're a single person out there, like, talking about and setting realistic expectations of Talk just about roles and responsibilities. Roles and responsibilities. Like, because she had a, she had a family role where, honestly, uh, her, her mom led a lot. Mm-hmm. And so she was used to being in charge. And, and I, I was, came from a family where my stepdad, he was totally in charge. And so... So, like, when we came together, there was, there was some friction there initially because we're both trying to lead, and, and one of us was going to have to give. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we learned a lot on the front end about what that looks like. We thought there was going to be no arguments in marriage. We learned, like, right away there was going to be some Talk arguments about roles and responsibilities. in marriage. Okay, next question, or next uh, thing. thing. Number three, keep intimacy a priority. Keep intimacy a priority. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. It says, The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. My favorite verse in the Bible right there. <laughs> but it continues, unfortunately. Uh, no, I'm just... It says, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. All of a sudden, a whole bunch of women are like, man, I'm going to be in fasting and praying for like the next two years. Like, I'm giving myself to that. It says, afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, now, we've just found this. Honestly, this is probably in, in our marriage uh, like we go through seasons where we're great yeah. at this, and we go yeah. through seasons where we we struggle mm-hmm. in this. And when you say we, it's mostly me. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna put that Thank out there, you. but yeah, you. you know. <laughs> um, and, and and here's the deal, for men, and I, I I'm just gonna tell you this, ladies, one of the primary ways men connect and become vulnerable is through sex. Yeah. And, you, and some of you are like, well, he just won't be vulnerable with me. Are you putting him in a vulnerable position? Mm-hmm. And sex is one of those places where guys get vulnerable, and they'll actually start to tell you how they feel and where they're at. Now, the flip side of that, guys are like, man, this, like, I, I, we, you should just have sex all the time. No, no, no. The way sex happens is you have to romance your wife. Yeah. 
And a lot of guys, how we win them is we romance them, but then we forget once we've won them that we've got to keep romancing them, that we've got to keep setting the stage. In fact, I would say, you know, sex is a lot like landing an airplane. It's all about your approach. Are you approaching it? Are you setting some things up so you're creating romance in your relationship so that you're creating that atmosphere for that to happen? I think romance is more like, are you planning a date night? Yeah. Are you calling and setting up a restaurant? Are you being intentional about valuing me and emotions and, you know, all of those kinds of things? That's what romance isn't necessarily like foreplay. Yeah. And and the other thing is is that I've learned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot in marriage. I guess I just, it can be like four later yeah yeah okay. is that like like Shayla just touched me that does not mean she wants to have sex with me it took me it took me no, a long I'm time praying. to figure that out it's like <laughs> it'd be like she'd like come and sit down next to me I'd be like oh yeah it's, it's, you know, it's like Barry White would come on it's, it's like brown chicken nope. bow, bow. no that's like no she just wanted me to hold her or just just touch her and honestly that 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 was romance yeah it was foreplay just four days ahead of the play. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And guys, we gotta realize that 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 sometimes it's it's like, man, it's just it's just we can we can spend time, we can cuddle, and it's okay not to have sex. But we're creating intimacy in a relationship. Yeah. We're creating moments of vulnerability where we can be real and authentic and we can kind of take the the facade off. And experience each other. You know, you you talked about this for single people too. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is so important. I, I haven't said this in in every service. Single people, listen, purity paves the way to romance. Yeah. You want to have romance and unbelievable intimacy and sex in your future. Stay pure now. Married people, purity paves the way to yeah. intimacy. And what's happened in our society today because pornography and sex is so exploited mm-hmm. is we get perverted views of sex. Yep. And we think the marriage is going to be like the porn film. Mm-hmm. And that's Often. not intimacy. No. That's not even real. And for some of us, man, we've got to realize that we've got to create purity Mm -hmm. in our hearts, in our minds, in our marriages. You know, at the end of at the end of that verse, it says after you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. See, I think when we don't get to keep intimacy a priority, man, the enemy comes in and it's where affairs start. Because as women, we're not connecting emotionally. And so we start connecting emotionally with somebody else that's paying attention to us. Or, or men, because so, many, so much of it is about what they see. They begin to, to have the lust of the eyes and they begin to, to look around. And because we're not making it a priority in our home, it begins to, to go outside of it. And when we don't make that a priority, the enemy comes in because we lack self-control. And so I think if, if we need to start making this a key priority in our marriage, regardless of how we feel. 
regardless of how we feel, we need to, to begin to, to do this and make it a priority. Yeah, and you can schedule intimacy. Yes. It's Tuesday night at 9 o'clock after <laughs> the kids go to bed. Hey, you got to sometimes you got when to, you have right? kids. Let's Question. do some questions. As a single woman, how do I position myself as a daughter of the king when it comes to dating? Men, approach, men approaching me and being in a relationship before marriage. Do you have biblical examples of women to read up on? Thank you. TJ. As a single woman, how do I position myself as a daughter of the king when it comes to dating? Here's what I would tell you. Fall madly in love with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's how you position yourself. You run after God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you prepare yourself for a future relationship right now before you ever have one. Yeah. That's how you position yourself. Uh, one of the things that, that, that I say all the time is you can't promise your way past preparation. A lot of people get into marriage and I promise that I'm going to love you. I'm going to do all these things. But you have yet to ever prepare to fulfill any of those promises. Yeah. So use your season of singleness to prepare yourself for your future. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means get and read some books. Passion and Purity, Elizabeth Elliott. Uh, Lady in Waiting is a great. I, I can tell you all these books because even the girl books, when I was single, I was reading them because I want to know what my future spouse was reading. You think I'm joking. When I got, when I started beginning a relationship with Shayla, and it was based on a friendship, I would come, and we would sit down on a bench, and I would have, like, written out five questions that I would have memorized beforehand, and we would sit down, and I would just ask her questions about her, because I wanted to know the depths of everything about her, because I wanted to see if she was compatible for my future. Because I was so madly in love with Jesus, I knew exactly where I was going, what I was called to do, what my future was going to look like, and I wasn't going to settle for anything less than God's best for my life. I wasn't going to settle for, uh, uh, that might be okay, that might be good. I was looking at my list and checking it twice like Santa. I mean, I was all over it. And so I would say as a single lady, do that. And don't settle for any joker. Don't be, so many girls are so focused on the exterior Listen, that exterior is going to change. I used to be skinny. I used to be, I used to freaking model back in the day. I ain't modeling today. <laughs> the exterior is going to change, but the interior is what matters most. Yeah, yeah. So what is that God, is, is your interior, how is your interior? Well, and I, I would say this to, to a lot of single ladies, especially, you know, what you respect, you attract. And if you begin to respect yourself, if you begin to build yourself, yeah. if you begin to, you know, feed into yourself, you're going to attract someone that respects you in that same way. And also, as, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, well, he just wants a physical relationship. Why do all these guys, all they want is a physical relationship. Let me tell you something. How you dress is how you'll be addressed. How you dress is how you will be addressed. And there, there, there's a lot of us that are wondering why we'll begin to need to look at our self-respect. And if you want a guy that's going to value you not for how you look, but for who you are, let's change some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question. How does marriage make you better, Shayla? <laughs> <laughs> how has marriage made you better? Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think for me, having, having the right person, waiting for the right person and having the right person in your life, you know, all my list of 21 things that I wanted and waiting for that, 
TJ has been one of my greatest sources of encouragement, of growth, of value, of just building my identity and my purpose. It's been one of the greatest catalysts for God to do something in my own life. And I think marriage has made me better because I waited for the right person and he's helped to make me better. Well, uh, but I would say like, I don't, I don't know that it's just about the right person. It's about having the right person compliment you. Yeah. Um, and so, so I've realized in, in life, my, my role in the relationship uh, with Shayla is, is I'm to be her, her greatest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what I do. Uh, Shayla will tell you, like, I will push her to do things that she, she would probably never do because I, w- I want to believe the greatest about her and for her. Um, I see things for her that she doesn't see in herself. And, and that's part of my role in, in our relationship is to push each other to things that we can never do. Like, I believe that I can do anything because I have Shayla by my side. Because I know that where I lack in life in a lot of areas, um, she, she comes and fills that void. And so she makes me better every single day. Partly she makes me better because she's pursuing Jesus. I walk out in the morning, and she's sitting in this, this, this recliner with her Bible open, her journal open, journaling, pursuing God. And it challenges me, like, how is my pursuit of God? Like, we are a constant give to one another and push to one another. Well, and as, as husband and wife, I think we have to realize our words have so much power. And nobody can build him up and nobody can tear him down like I can. And the same for him. Nobody can build me up or tear me down like he can. And I think we have to be people that really consider our words and begin to, to build into our marriage instead of pulling and extracting things out of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we got to move fast. Yeah, number four, spouse before children. And, and that doesn't mean like... You should get married before you have kids. Yes, you should. should but, but this like, means once you are married, married and you have children, you like, need to put your spouse yeah. over your children. It's, it's priority in the relationship. It's priority in the relationship. And, and here's, here's, here's what happens. Proverbs tells us, Train up a child in the way they should. Go. Come on, train up a child in the way they should. Go. Go. What does that mean? Your kids are going to leave someday. Well, you hope they do. Or you hope they do. I mean, that's (laughs) the goal of parenting, right, is that you train them up and then they leave at 18, 24, 48, whatever that age is. Some of you, it's a little bit later than that. Um. But the goal is that they would go. And so what happens is, is what you see all throughout society today. There's, there's three main ages of people getting divorced. A, the s- second year of marriage, people get divorced because they got married. And they're like, man, I can't do another year of this. Uh, and so they get divorced. Age seven, or seven years of being married, uh, they've had kids. And they're like, man, it was tough. Just the two of us. Now we throw a kid in that mix. And it's, it's trouble. But the biggest divorce rate, rate age right now is 25. Year 25. And what's happened is is people have raised their kids. And because we live in a child-centered society, what happens is is that kid goes off to college or gets married. And the husband and wife look at each other and they're like, who are you? Like, who are you? Because 
For the last 25 years, what we've done is we've focused all of our attention, our affection on our kids instead of each other. And that's not the correct order or way that God ever intended it. He actually said that you're to be a steward of them because they are going to go. And, and here's what I see happening. And, and I've tried to figure out how to put this in a message. I just don't know how to do it. And so I'm just going to say it, um, especially when it comes to women. What I see happening is so many women you used to have this grace for your husband and this love for your husband. And then you have kids and all that grace and all that love goes to your kids. And then all of that frustration goes to your husband mm-hmm. that should have stayed with your husband. Yeah. And I would submit to you that a lot of you love your kids way more than you love your spouse. Mm. And that's jacked up. Mm-hmm. Some people are apparently having some epiphany <laughs> on the second row here. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, it's, not, it's not right. It, it's actually unbiblical. And what, what it will cause is it will cause the same statistics to happen. Yep. And so you, you need to change your priority. And the, your spouse should come before them. So what does that mean? That means it, 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 a closed door means don't come in. Why? It's mommy and daddy time. <laughs> mommy and daddy need some time. <laughs> like they're, they're the ultimate focus. And the greatest thing you can do for your kids is show them a healthy marriage. Yes. Because what do you want for them? Do you want them to have the same thing that you're having right now? Or do you want them to have some, you want them to have a healthy relationship that they can grow the rest of their life with? And I think if you can put into practice the vision for your marriage, talk regularly and keep intimacy a priority, like you, you are changing the priority of your spouse yeah. and putting them at the top so that everything else is healthy because kids, kids crave that structure and seeing those things with their, with their parents. Yeah. So, let's answer, let's answer okay. a couple questions. Maybe. We are, why are we all allowed to go through heartache? Why are we allowed to go through heartache, yeah. Shayla? In Genesis, you know, was the, the fall of man and, and sin entered the world. Yeah. And even, even through all of that, we serve a God who, who loves relationship and wants to restore relationship and wants to bring restoration to so much. But what I love about God is that he's not this God that's up there pulling on the strings of our life like we're all his puppets. He gives us free will. And with free will also comes consequences to our choices and decisions we make and the decisions that other people make. But the very thing that we love about love and relationship is also the very thing that can hurt us and bring heartbreak. And so it's almost like you can't have one without the other, in a way, because we all do have free will. But the amazing thing about God is that he gives us the ability to heal and to bring restoration and to have joy and hope and peace and all of these things. But we have free will and we have the ability to choose the decisions that we make and we also have to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. Next question. How do you look past all the imperfections when you're struggling just to be friends? It's a good question. Um, what, I, what I would say to you if you're in a relationship and you're, you're struggling right now, it, it always goes back to what we talked about the first week. It's a, it, it starts with how is your relationship with God? 
Like, how is the foundation of your relationship? Because when you get the foundation of your relationship sorted out, what happens is you make God the focus. All of a sudden, you start to realize that, there, that, that God has forgiven you of a lot of things, that God has given a lot of grace to you. And I think so many times in marriage, what happens for couples is is when we're dating and we first get married, there's a lot of grace. Like the things that that uh, on the front of the marriage that we used to think are cute, after a while in marriage are the so biggest annoying. frustrations in life. Like and, and, and what happens is, and this is really easy to do, we move from this grace-oriented love to this law-oriented love where you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this and you need to do that. And when you focus on the law, you're, that person is always going to fall short. And so what we need to do is we need to get our foundation back in order because when we do that and we start to seek after the heart of God, we start to realize how much we're forgiven and how much amazing grace we've been given. And what happens is we start to extend grace back to that yeah. person and as I well. And I think on a, on a practical level too, you know, find something, even if it's just one thing, find one thing that you have in common. Find one thing that you like to do and start doing that thing consistently together. Yeah. And then watch God kind of grow your endearment towards that other person and watch that friendship go because you are focusing on the things that you do have in common rather than the things that you don't have in common. Yeah. You want to do the last point here since okay, we're like 12 point. minutes okay. over. Okay. We're killing it. So the last point is stay God-focused individually. You know, some of the greatest times of, of frustration in my marriage, you know, when I... When I am irritated with TJ, with every when everything he does is like annoying to me, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to believe that that would ever happen. But it, it's kind of a daily occurrence. But, but when I when I notice that that's happening in my life, what I've come to realize is that is not a problem here; it's a problem here. And what I've noticed is when I'm living in this frustrated state. Or when everything that he's doing is annoying. If I can take time and I can sit down and I can start reading God's word or I can start praying and I can, I can take the relationship here. God begins to change my heart and I realize that it's, it's not an issue with TJ and it's an issue with my heart. And I think the greatest thing that we can do as individuals in our relationship is to build this relationship first. Because this relationship is the source of our identity, our peace, our joy, our contentment, our hope. See, this relationship does not complete me. This one does. This relationship brings completeness to my life. This relationship complements my life. And if I am not complete in Christ, and that is not where I find my identity and my source, I will always look to him to try to complete me, and I will always end up frustrated. And if you're living in a marriage or a relationship that seems very broken right now, that there's a whole lot of frustration happening, and that every single time you look at that other person, you can't, you can't see the good, Start getting your focus onto God. And if both of us can, can live this God-centered life, man, 
understand we are getting complete in Christ and we are a better person for each other. And man, maybe you don't have the spouse that is in passionate pursuit of God. Maybe you don't have a spouse that believes the same things that you do or has the same values that you do. Listen, when we get into God's word and we get God's heart, God's heart is people. God's heart is, is to love and extend grace and forgiveness to those around us. And the Bible says, and I, I don't even know, I'm so mixed up on what questions we've answered and what service, but when we're unequally yoked, that we can win that person over by our purity and our love and our reverence for them. Listen, get your heart right. The greatest thing that you can do is build that relationship with God. And to be God-centered individually. And everything else begins to build on top of that. You want to maybe pray for some of these marriages? Yeah, and absolutely. Single people in here. and Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God that designed us for relationship. God, that you gave us the gift of, of relationship and doing life with one another. And God, I pray that in this room that you would begin to restore broken relationships. That you would begin to help people see through the lens of, of hope. That you would bring peace and that you would bring restoration. God, that you would cause each and every one of us to begin to, to rise up, Father, and take responsibility for our role in the relationships. God, I know that there's so much in this country that is broken because of relationship, God, and let us be a church. Let us be individuals that begin to rise up and say, I will take responsibility for my relationship, for helping my kids see what a healthy relationship looks like so we can break the cycle of brokenness. God, I pray for healing in this place. Lord, I pray for those that are single, God, that they would be patient and that they would wait for the right person. Lord, I pray for the lines of communication to be open between couples. That you would protect hearts. That you would heal marriages. God, we thank you and it's in Jesus' name that I pray.